Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Warming, so I got to get some warming in here. And uh, one of the big things about global warming is, is the fact that the earth is covered with so much water, uh, 71% surface covered with water, and it's that water that keeps the uh, earth temperate, allows us to live here. And uh, so I have a demonstration here where I have a solution of isopropyl alcohol and salt water, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to set it on fire. Somebody asked me, how do you know if your ministry is a success? I say, if the fire engines don't come... And that's successful. All right, here we go. And what's going to happen is the alcohol will burn, and the water will absorb the heat faster than the alcohol can produce it. And it'll keep the rag from burning, kind of like the burning bush. You know, Moses' burning bush, kind of like that. And uh, the salt's there, so you can see the flame. gives you that yellow color. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to see it in the back of the... Back of the room. See, it's really quite, uh, quite cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know what this is made out of? This is made out of cloth, right? Now, most men out there have something that's made out of cloth in their wallet, and it's green. Now, do you trust the principle that God said water has a high heat capacity? If you do, can someone please give me something in your wallet to try? <laughs> Take uh, 20s, 50s, you know. It's, yeah, let's see how much each. How, that's all I get. All I get is one. I think you can burn that one up. Oh, ye of little faith. Okay. Okay, here we go. All right, so I'm going to see if we can light George Washington on fire here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> well, I should have said I was going to give it back. And so it's cleaner than it was when you gave it to me. We call this, we call this money laundering. Okay. Yeah, my, I have to tell this little story about my, my husband, though, okay? Did you tell him we went to Australia? We spent 20, 23 summers taking mission teams to Australia. And in Australia, their money's different, like a lot of countries you go to. Okay, you can see they're all different colors. Every bill, they call them those. It's a different color. Purple for uh, five and blue for ten and twenty for red. And um, you can see that it's not made the same out of It's not made out of cloth. Can you tell? Does it say that? Can you tell that? Plastic. It's made out of plastic. Well, plastic does not hold, does not protect it. No, it doesn't hold the water, it doesn't absorb the water. There you go. It doesn't absorb the water. Okay. <laughs> I'm just a scientist, I'm just an assistant. So it doesn't absorb the water. All of that to say that my husband, being the good scientist that he is, curious, he decided the day before we came back to, to America, we would be gone for two months, he decided the day before we came back, he was going to try Australian money. And he came to me, he just, I don't know where he was, but he did it on his own, came to me with this bill. And it was totally bubbled up, totally destroyed. 
She said she was speechless, but she wasn't. She wasn't. She wasn't speechless. I don't think we have time for this story. <laughs> so, anyway, she said, do you have an account here? And I said, no, I'm from America. She said, sorry, can't do anything for you. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> so I went back to the missionary... She house. wasn't speechless then either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went back to the missionary we were staying with, and I told them this sad story. And they said, oh, surely, you know, we have accounts. Surely they'll do it for us. And sure enough, they did. You know, a couple weeks later, they emailed us and said they were able to, to uh, get it exchanged. And so the end of this story actually is good because the Lord used his scientific curiosity to, to give $50. Is that, how you, is that how you spell knucklehead? <laughs> the missionaries must have needed $50 more than they did. Here, here, I'm so going to light you on fire. Because I tell this story, now he's going to light me on fire. <laughs> you wait, your turn's coming. <laughs> Get ready, Pastor. Here we go. Come on, Pastor. Come on. Water. I love water. Water has a high heat capacity. No, 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 no water. Just the bubbles. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Just again. the bubbles. So you need Got to get some more bubbles. Just to scoop it across the top. Got it. Just scoop across the top. Yeah, there you go. And hold your hand flat. Thank you. Pastor, here's your chance, Pastor. Here's your chance. Okay. I bet Strad would do it. I bet Strad would do it. Put your hand all the way up to your wrist. And there, now on the other one, just scoop the bubbles off the top. Don't go in the water. Just scoop them off the top. And then hold your hand flat. Suffer the little children to come up to me. Good job. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll do that one next, later. Let's get started here. Oh, I didn't choose the. We're going to have a choose a shirt. Somebody get a shirt. We have our. We have these cards. We got cards here. Here we go. 
like that one. And let's try it again. Congratulations. All right. Enough foolery here. By the way, uh, we're next year, we're starting to work on the schedule for next year, and we're planning on going from Minnesota, Wisconsin, down to Iowa, Nebraska, down all the way down to Texas, that strip right there. So if you know people there, churches, have contacts, you want to let us know, uh, you can go online. We have a f- Facebook page, uh, BJU Science Ambassador, and uh, you can get in contact with us that way. Oh, there's some cards on the table with a picture of me on it, and you can get those. It has my email address there. Save contacts. I'd like to uh, recommend a church or ministry or school for us to go to. We'd be happy to look at that. Okay, so there is a... Can we have the first slide? Here we are. There's a controversy raging in the evangelical community about our responsibility toward the environment. And we were just in a church, and one of the young men, I guess he was a college student, you know, he's talking about, you know, shouldn't we do creation care? You know, isn't that what we should do as a church, is take care of creation and so forth? And, and his youth pastor was arguing with him, saying, no, our primary job is to, is to win souls, tell people about Jesus. And, of course, I would agree with that. But there's a lot of people who are conflicted about this whole thing, especially the area about uh, global warming and climate change. And we've all seen, um, let's see, there we go, all seen the uh, pictures of the glaciers melting and the, and the polar bears, you know, they're swimming, they can't find a place to, to land and that type of thing. And so there's a lot of concern about that. And I find as we go around, I have Q&A sessions almost invariably at, at every place we are, somebody asks me about global warming or climate change. And so I thought I'd preempt that question today and just say a few things about it uh, now. And uh, people want to know answers. They want to know, is this something we should be concerned about? Uh, they want to know from somebody other than Al Gore as well. I've taught... I taught a course at Bob Jones called Science Impact on Society, so I've, I've taught about global warming probably about 30 years now. And uh, so I actually taught about it before it became a political issue. First thing we need to understand is that God uh, created the earth as a home for mankind. And you see, for thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. And so we were just talking about how God used the water. He uses the water to make the earth temperate so we can live on it. And he, there's a lot of other properties of the earth. It's just the you know, right distance from the sun, and uh, it's constructed in such a way so mankind can flourish, uh, so that he can thrive on the surface of this planet. Somebody asked me earlier, do I believe in, uh, you know, life in outer space? And, of course, one answer is, do you mean angels? But that's probably not what usually people mean by 
life in outer space? And the answer is no. We, we have such unique conditions here on the surface of the earth that God has created. See, he created it not in vain. He created it for a purpose, and that was for our good. And another thing we need to understand <clears throat> is that the earth will continue as a suitable habitation for man with regular seasons until the end. So you see Noah gets off the ark. Uh, first thing he do- does is he kills some very endangered animals. And then he, uh, this, the Lord says in Genesis 8.22, he says, While uh, earth and remaineth seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. That's a promise from God. So the question is, how does he do that? How does he keep the earth habitable? This uh, chart is one that is one that most people agree on, and it shows that we've had about one degree Celsius change in the last hundred years. And there doesn't, there's not much dispute about that on either side of the of the debate. Uh, but the point is that we've only had one degree Celsius change in the last hundred years. How does God manage to keep everything in such precise balance? I mean, we're, we're talking about a sin-cursed world. How does he do that? What are all the things that he's balancing to make that happen? So I want you to think about all the things that God does. Let's point our finger toward the creator God and his wisdom and making it so that this earth remains habitable for us. Well, think about the radiation from the sun and even from the moon. Some of it bounces off the moon and comes to us. Think about the precision of the earth's orbit around of the sun, the Earth's uh, 365 day, six hour, nine minute, 9.54 second, 66,600 mile per hour round trip around the Earth every year varies by less than a hundredth of a second. The precision is amazing. And if the Earth rotated a little bit slower on its axis, everything would die of cold in the in the nighttime and and by heat during the daytime. Uh, so that's balanced as well. And then you have um, a lot of balancing going on. There we go. Now, this is a busy slide, but the point is to try to make it look complicated because it actually is. So reflection of incoming radiation is about 40%. Absorption by the atmosphere is another 20%. Absorption by land and water, about 40%. And yet of all the energy the sun gives off, we only get 0.45 billionth of its output. It's picked up. By the Earth, Jupiter, for example, um, doesn't have that same balance, and so Jupiter puts out twice as much heat as it takes in. Now, how it does that over 4.5 billion years, nobody can explain. Uh, there's no mechanism for that, so we know it's not doing that over a long period of time. And then we have the hydrological cycle: the rain, the rivers, the wind, so forth. Then we have to balance the the heat from the Earth's core, the radioactive isotopes that are decaying in the Earth's crust. About the, about the half of the heat from, in the Earth's crust comes from radioactivity. And then you have the, the tidal forces. We talked about the moon this morning. Well, the moon produces tidal forces and the, and the waves hitting the, hitting the rocks on the, on the seashore. That's like setting off multiple hydrogen bombs every day as far as the energy that adds to the, to the Earth. And then not only is the, you get the waves hitting the earth, but you have the land is rising and falling. Those rocks are grinding uh, in the earth, um, underneath the earth, and producing friction that has to be balanced.
And then you have that whole earth-moon system. And uh, you would think that because of the tides, the earth would be slowing down, but it actually gains energy from the outer planets like Jupiter. It varies. The length of an earth day has increased by only 0.002 seconds per century. Remarkable in its, in its balance. So the whole solar system enters into this as well. And then we saw the, the ocean. We see this, this uh, verse, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. So the water is such an important um, aspect of this because it's, of its very high heat capacity, its ability to absorb and release large amounts of heat. And then you have the ice caps that have to be balanced. They, the white surfaces bounce more energy back up into space. So that has to be taken into account. And then you have the greenhouse effect. Now, the greenhouse effect kind of gets a bad rap, but without the greenhouse effect, the Earth would be too cold for us to live. I had a student from Guam, and she was, uh, I saw her one day on a hot South Carolina day, and she was sitting in a parked car with the windows rolled up. So I tapped on the window, what's going on? What are you doing? And she said, oh, Dr. Matsko, I was so homesick. She said, I got in this car and rolled the windows up so it would feel like home. And I thought, I don't want to live in Guam. (laughs) And then we have the tilt of the earth, all right? And then we have the, you know, the uh, air currents. So we have the air currents. The Bible talks about the winds uh, in their circuit and so forth that distribute the heat uh, from north and south. And when we think about the air currents, not only does it, it balance the heat, but it also gives us uh, oxygen. In other words, it, it causes the oxygen to be uh, sent all around the earth as it's produced by those green plants in the ocean. I thought I'd make some oxygen for you. And uh, this is hydrogen peroxide, and a little stronger than what you have at home. This is 30% as opposed to 3% at home. And I'll put uh, some soap bubbles in here so you can see the oxygen being produced. Okay, and then my wife's moving, springing into action here. Can everybody see? Okay, so I'll put this in here, and we can put my catalyst in here and produce some oxygen. (laughs) So the uh, kids call this elephant's toothpaste (laughs) for some reason. Still coming. My job is to make a mess. Her job is to clean it up. (laughs) It's a bad division of labor, isn't it? Okay, so what are are people afraid of? Uh, First of all, uh, they're concerned about what we call the thermohaline circulation. Um, We we talk about the Gulf Stream and how the warm water moves up the coast of the United States, and it releases its heat up there near... um, Europe, right here. And so it keeps Europe warm. They're concerned about all this ice in Greenland melting, stopping the circulation, and what would happen is Europe would freeze over. And uh, so I didn't understand that. Years ago, I was at a 
climate conference and they put us at a table with different climate experts. And I said, you know, if, if, global, if climate, global warming is real, what do you expect to happen in the future? And the guy said, it'll either be warmer than normal or colder than normal or wetter than normal or drier than normal. And I went <laughs> like that. I made that noise. And he wouldn't talk, he wouldn't talk to me anymore. But, but he was right, and I was wrong. He understood that because of global warming, some places actually be colder because of global warming uh, because of this change in the circulation pattern. Another thing they're concerned about is the western Antarctic ice sheet sort of slipping off. And you can see the colors there. They're trying to indicate the rate, the rate at which that ice is going into the ocean. And uh, so if that all melted and went into the ocean... Yeah, the the um, levels would go up to about, I think, eight meters, okay? So that's goodbye, New Orleans, goodbye, Florida. You know, so that would, that would pretty much take care of that. And uh, so is, could that happen? The answer is yes. Uh, underneath the ice sheet, there is uh, volcanoes, about 100 volcanoes under the western Antarctic ice sheet. So it's all nice and liquidy under there. So it's easy for them to go, you know, into the ocean. Maybe that'll happen during the tribulation period, I don't know, but it's certainly primed for that. So that's what their concerns are. So the question is, can we predict what's going to happen? And you can see the computer models here with the red and the, and the blue and the green are actual measurements. You can see we're not very good at this, okay, as far as predicting what's going to happen with our computer models. And you know that's true. I mean, if somebody says it's, it's going to snow tomorrow, you'll say, well, yeah, it'll snow tomorrow, late snowstorm, spring, yeah. If it's going to snow three days from now, you say, well, maybe it will, maybe it won't. If it's going to snow next week, well, I don't believe that necessarily. A month later, nobody can tell you that. And so we know, based on weather models, we know it's very difficult to make these kind of predictions. And so as far as global warming is concerned, as far as the question people want to know is, are we, are we responsible for it? Is mankind responsible for it? And the answer is, we don't know. We don't have any idea. Okay? Our models, our science is not good enough to answer that question. So, what's the Christian perspective on this? So, think about it this way. We have the flood uh, of Noah, and you have all this warm water. You have all this potential energy being converted to, to uh, kinetic energy, so you have warm water, and then you have the fountains of the great deep are breaking up. That's putting a lot of ash into the sky, a lot of sulfates into the sky. That's blocking the, the, atmosphere, the um, sun coming in, so you have cold air, you have warm water. What do you expect to happen? I expect that you're going to have big snowstorms, and that's exactly what happens. And they start in the middle of the continents, and they, they spread out over the continents, and you can see the scratch marks on the rocks, and you get that, that glaciation that occurred, occurred up here in, in, in Michigan. And uh, so we know that that took place. And so then the water is, is, um, is cooling down. It maybe takes five, six, seven hundred years to cool down until it got to the temperatures we have today. And we would expect, then what would we expect? We expect that things would be warming up since then. So the general trend, there's a lot of variation, but the general trend is that things have been getting warmer. And that's what we see, and that's what we expect based on a biblical uh, model that we're talking about today. 
So why? Let's see. Okay. So next thing we need to understand is Romans 8.22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together till now. We know this, this world is not the original model. God, when he created it, said it was very good at the end of Genesis. And then Adam sinned, and it was cursed by sin. And so this world's not working like it should. It doesn't have to, to um, maintain life. It doesn't have to be stable for, for millions of years. It just has to be stable for the amount of time that we're here on the surface of the earth, and God's promised that it will be for us. And then we have the scoffers. Second Peter 3, 3 through 7. We see the scoffers, and the scoffers, well, they don't, they don't believe that uh, God enters into our world. They, um, it says, knowing this first, there should come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust. That is, they have these strong desires uh, for, for wealth and for fame and for, for um, political power. And the scoffers, they say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And so they're skeptical about God entering our world. They believe in uniformitarianism. That is the idea that all things continue uh, as they always have. And so if there's anything out of the ordinary, if we get global warming, then it must be man's fault. Couldn't be any, you know, and therefore man is the one that has to do something about it. That's what the scoffers think. And the scoffers, of course, are in control of the media and the science institutions and the universities and so forth. And so they, they, they color everything that we see and hear on this subject. So can we fix it? And the answer is no. So on the left-hand side, kind of small for you to see there, but these are various climate scenarios. And you can see this particular 1.5 degree increase, $37.6 trillion. I mean, a trillion here, a trillion there, a little, after a while it adds up to real money. Okay. And what does that do, buy for us? It buys us about, about 0.5 degrees. Okay. So the idea is if you took all your money and you spent it on global warming, uh, you may not make any difference at all. That would be noticeable to anybody. And so what, what should we do about it? People want to know. Well, if we actually have money laying around that we don't have any use for, which I doubt that's the case, uh, we know what can benefit mankind the most, and that is clean water. If we took that same amount of money and tried to provide clean water and sewerage uh, to third world countries, we could save more lives than almost anything else we could do. And I think as a Christian, we have responsibility to poor people. I think that's part of, you know, what we're, we're supposed to be thinking about in a political situation. So that's my answer as far as what should we do about it politically, and the answer is I don't think much. So who 
Uh, do we have the spirit of a scoffer? Do we think that God cannot enter into our world today? And, and the answer is, uh, of course he can. He does and he will. And if you want to think about what the biggest pollutant is in our world today, biggest pollutant is sin. That's right. Somebody heard somebody saying, right? It's sin that caused the destruction of the world in, by the flood, Okay. And it's sin that would cause the destruction that's coming by fire. You want global warming? Just read the book of Revelation. Lots of global warming there. Okay? Third of the trees burned up. Sun ten times hotter. Okay, lots of global warming there. Why does that global warming occur? It occurs because of man's sin. Do you know the difference between climate and weather? I hear people say, oh, it's, it's so cold this winter. You know, there must not be any global warming. Or they say, oh, it's so hot, there must be global warming. Well, climate is over a longer period of time than people's lifetimes. You can't get some 80-year-old guy and say, oh, it's so cold, I never saw so cold. But it's because you haven't lived long enough. Why do you believe God's promise in, do you believe God's promise in in Genesis 8.22? That should alleviate a lot of our fear. God has made a promise to us, to the human race, that the earth will always remain habitable. That doesn't mean we should build the big fancy houses on the, on the seashore, okay? That doesn't make any sense, okay? If you really think the waters are going to rise, then you back up a little bit, okay? You don't build it right on the, on the front of the ocean. Do we believe that the earth is cursed? It's not the original design. That is certainly true. It's not acting in the way that God originally intended do we believe that Christ could return at any moment? Do you think that? Do you think right now that Jesus Christ could come back now before we're done with this service? Do you believe that in heart, your heart of hearts? I, so many people, they've, you know, they, don't, they don't think that way. And yet we're supposed to look for that. That's the blessed hope that he could come at any point. Well, if we're, if we're not going to be afraid of something... Bible tells us what to be afraid of. And I say unto you, friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more they can do. I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which he hath, when he hath killed, has power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And so, what should we fear? Not global warming. Not the politicians in Washington. We should fear the Lord. The Lord, the one who can cast into hell. Okay, We need to have... We need to have an appropriate fear of God. Okay? We're going to have a proper balance is the way we think about the world that we live in. Okay, so I have about five minutes for questions. That was the short version. Okay. Any questions about this issue or something else? Yes? A lot of it has to do with money, not just narcissism. So I'd, I'd have my students say, you know, which corporation in the United States uh, is pushing a global warming agenda? Which cor- Follow the money, and it turns out to end up at, at General Electric. Okay, because why? They make windmills, right? So they, they stand to gain from this, okay? So I would just follow the money. That's what I always tell my, tell my students. Follow the money, you'll find out 
Who's in favor? Who's opposed? Yes. Yes. So radiocarbon dating is actually proves that the Earth is young. Okay. Let me explain to you. You have radiation coming from the sun and strikes the top of the atmosphere, and it turns nitrogen atoms into carbon atoms. But they're not regular carbon atoms, what we call carbon-14, which is a, a type of carbon atom that's unstable. And after 5,800 years, it turns back into nitrogen again. About half of it does. That's what we call a half-life. Okay? So that carbon con combines with oxygen, like I made here, and forms uh, isotopically labeled carbon dioxide. Then plants absorb that, and they have that in there. Then we, well, then we eat the plants, and we have that carbon-14 inside of us. And I was telling you one of the greatest scientific uh, discoveries we ever made was the fact that when people die, they stop eating. Okay? And so when you stop eating, you stop taking in that new carbon, okay? And, uh, and then it starts go turning itself back into nitrogen. Well, our instruments, what we call accelerated mass spectrometers, I used to teach about them in my classes, they can only detect, uh, uh, they're, they're very limited, they can only detect the amount of carbon that would be left after 100,000 years. In other words, after 100,000 years, there shouldn't be any new carbon uh, left anywhere. Okay? And what we find is just the opposite. We find that every source of carbon in our world today, coal, diamonds, those diamonds on your fingers, ladies, okay? uh, deep well carbon dioxide, all that contains new carbon, which demonstrates the fact that the Earth is young. In other words, it demonstrates that the Earth is less than 100,000 years old, far from the 4.6 billion years they say it is. So you say, how do they explain that? You know, when they see it there, in fact, by the way, all the coal has the same radiocarbon date. Why is that? Because the flood knocked all those trees down at the same time and formed the coal. That's why. And so what do they say when they see that new carbon in coal or in diamonds or anything else? They say, well, that's just contamination. Well, that's a good trick. You try contaminating a diamond, see how that works for you, all right? It's very, very hard, all right? And so what they do is they put it in their little mass spectrometer, and they see the carbon there, and they take the dial, and they turn it. They zero it out, just like that. It's gone. Goodbye. My students would all go, oh, really? That's what they do? I said, yeah, that's what they do. They just, you know, they just turn the dial, and it's gone. Because they already know, based on their presuppositions, that that coal or diamonds or whatever it is is older than 100,000 years, so it must be contamination. So it's all based on a presupposition. So carbon dating is one of the greatest evidences of a young Earth that we have in science. Yes? <laughs> yeah, so the question is, is, how much problem are we going to have with cow flatulence, okay? Now, I'm not saying that things won't continue warming up as they have been since the Ice Age. I mean, there's a sense in which we're, all, we're still in the Ice Age. You can't get those big chunks of ice in Antarctica and Greenland today. I mean, Antarctica is the driest continent on the Earth. You don't, can't form lots of ice in that's, under that situation. 
But if you're, you know, it may be that we'll actually be able to grow more crops in Canada. I mean, things are, you know, and that's good for the Canadians. So the idea that the way the world is right now is the best of all possible worlds is just nuts. I mean, we could go back to a time when the Sahara Desert was arable. People were growing crops in the Sahara Desert. It was, when Paul landed on Mylita, it was a jungle. Now today it's just a desert, okay? And so the world changes, the climate changes. And uh, who's to say that that world back then, when you could grow crops in the Sahara Desert, wasn't a better world than we're living in today, okay? So... The, the idea that we want to freeze everything the way it is today doesn't make any sense either from a scientific, political, or, or scriptural point of view. Yes? Is there evidence There are cycles, and it has to do with the cycles of the sun. Okay, so right now we're seeing the sun start to lose its, uh, you know, it's getting cooler. The sun's cooling off. Uh, last time, what we've seen today, last time we saw that was in the 1680s. It's called a Moner Minimum. And the Thames froze over and crops failed and lots of people starved to death and so forth. Very bad time. So it's very possible that we, the sun could cool down and we could have another generation of cooler than average temperatures just because of that. So that's, that's, that cyclical thing is over top of the general trend. Okay, so both are going on at the same time. So some scientists think that this new minimum is going to start in 2020. Some say it won't start until 2030. Okay, so I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. But we could have a whole generation, another 30 years of colder than normal temperatures because of what the sun's doing. Okay, I think we're out of time. I'll take one more question while I'm walking down. Yeah, there, there, are, there are a lot of things like that. And uh, I'm going to wait for um, Strad and some of his cohorts to grow up to, to, to help us with that. Yeah. So one I've, I've looked at is uh, coral reefs and how they form over, you know, a shorter period of time. So there's, there's questions in my mind about how that works. Okay. So there's a lot of things like that. But sci- that's why science is. We're constantly looking for answers. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Matsko. Let's give him a hand. That's been... It is a... Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.